Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys here again. It's uh, not as long as the last few times that uh, I uh, had a gap between visiting. So it's great to see and reconnect with um, more and more people. To start us off, I've got a little game for us. So <laughs> uh, would you all stand if you're able to stand? Got a little game. Now, if you just flew back on an airplane with last night or the last few days, would you please sit down? Okay, good. Oh, okay. Now, if you had more than 10 hours of sleep last night, <laughs> please sit down. All right. If you had more than eight hours of sleep, sit down. If you had more than six, wow, five, five hours of sleep, four hours of sleep. New mom makes so much sense. <laughs> I've got a little surprise for you. <laughs> now, I was debating whether I should give this as a little prize because I just rewarded the person who had the least amount of sleep with some books. Wow. Now, this is not a message to tell you that if you can't sleep, you should read because that'll put you to sleep. <laughs> but these are some books from my bookshelf that I really enjoyed over the years, and I thought it would be a good chance to bless somebody uh, with some books, and so they are good books. <laughs> I was chatting with Pastor Stan before uh, the service started, and he reminded me that I, a good piece of advice I had heard over the years was, if you do find yourselves awake, woken at night, or you can't fall asleep, it might be a good opportunity for you to pray. I've heard it phrased in the sense that maybe there's someone in the world that needs your prayer. And so you, you can capture and take advantage of the opportunity to pray and to lift up uh, someone even unnamed, but God knows who that is. So just a little, little good encouragement. I've got a, one more bonus question for you. So no need to stand for this one. Now, think about this. If you were to be paid, say, $100 an hour, Hong Kong dollars, <laughs> for the number of hours you slept each night, how many years would it take you to reach a million dollars? Don't worry, I, I put down a little chart for you. <laughs> if... Okay, so if it took you, if you sleep, the top is the number of hours, uh, and then the very, very, very top is years. It'll take hours by 100. Let's just go with that one and ignore the final row first. So if it would take you, if you slept six hours a night, sorry, yeah, six hours a night, then you would get, uh, by year six, year six, a million dollars, just over. Um, if we were to have that in, and say $50 an hour, by year 11, you would reach a million. Now, when I was doing that, I, I, was, I started to chuckle to myself. Because uh, surely we don't think there's any uh, benevolent uh, 
factor that will just uh, <laughs> pay us by the hour, how many hours we sleep at night. But after looking at this, I started to think, well, you know, this might actually be a bad idea for those of us who struggle to get more sleep at night, <laughs> to have a little jar outside of our, our, uh, our bed, and that each night we uh, track how many hours we actually slept, to put a little bit there to kind of remind us that, hey, there is some benefit to sleeping more. Now, after... Um, Oh, we didn't have a chance to have scripture reading this morning. <laughs> yes. Why don't we... Um, I don't have a, a slide for it, but our uh, scripture for today is Mark 2, 28, all the way to Mark 3, verse 6. So if you've got your phone or, or your uh, paper Bible, hardcover, uh, if you can follow with me, I'd be uh, privileged to read our passage together. Mark chapter 2, 23. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and he ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is even his Lord, even of the Sabbath. Chapter 3. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed in their stubborn hearts. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. So after hearing this passage, you might be a little tempted to boil everything down to a low-hanging fruit like rest. And, of course, you wouldn't be wrong exactly. Rest is uh, the most straightforward translation of Shabbat, Sabbath. And after God had done, had, was done with creating the world in six epic days, he rested, he Shabbat, on the seventh day. And on that there's a strong scriptural basis that we can construct an extremely sound argument on why we need to rest, to observe a regular Sabbath, uh, and we'll talk about that. But if that's all you took away from today's message, oh, we need to rest, (laughs) and then you went home, and you put your phones in airplane mode, and you decided to get eight or more hours of sleep, and you, you took a day off, well, 
I'd say hallelujah, because by God's grace, you must certainly need that. And one of the most vivid illustrations that just jumped to my mind now is when, uh, when Elijah needed that, and God caused him to sleep, and he provided food and rest for him. And so he knew that of us. And so if that happens to you, praise God. I would never throw a guilt trip at you that that was the extent of it. But my prayer is that your obedience to God would not stop there. And as you would truly find rest in God, that you would go deeper into God's truth and begin to, to see what the Lord of the Sabbath means, what it means to, to our faith, and what that obedience would look like, even as it's lived out in throughout our life. Now, for some of us, we, we desperately need rest. Life moves at such an incredible speed. Um, even, even as I was greeting uh, familiar friends uh, just before the service started, uh, we can't help ourselves when, we ask, when people ask us, how are we? It's almost by automatic response, oh, I've been busy. It, it just utters it, it just flows out without our thoughts thinking. Uh, parents and, and, and newborns certainly can remember the, and, and, and relate to that old adage, the days are long, but the years are quick because time just moves so fast. Whatever career path you're in, your rookie year just flashes by in a blink of an eye. You might be a, a long-term caregiver of a family member or a loved one, and you might be sitting here listening to the sermon, and a part of you is smirking, and you're thinking, ah, yeah, right. How am I going to get a break? How am I going to rest? But then the other side of you begins to nod and says, yeah, I really do. But how? Comes back to that question. Well, to that question, Jesus invites us to come to him. He tells us to come to him, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For those of us who have experienced this supernatural rest, it's powerful. It's something that's so confounding that that in and of itself is so indicative of Jesus. And so, if a small part of you is beginning to wonder, well, is that all there is to it? Is it, is it just so simple? Well, like many things in life, the answer is kind of yes and no. Yes, it is that simple, because that's exactly what our passage has just spelled out for us. In, in a very clear and strong rebuke of the Pharisees, Jesus defended the action of the disciples. It was on a Sabbath day. And, and Jesus and his disciples were walking through the grain field. And as they were walking through, some of them started to feel a little hungry, a little snackish, peckish. And so they began to pick off the heads of grain. And at that point, the Pharisees jumped on them. Now, figuratively, not literally. Although, from the way it sounds, they, they may as well just literally jumped on them. Because the Sabbath police at that point, they were ready to write them a ticket. Why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Now, to, to our ears, it, that, that sounds a little ridiculous. 
Who cares? The Pharisees were just nitpicking. The, the disciples, they weren't stealing the whole crop. That would be something entirely different. They were just picking off some. And, and even that is a little bit funny about this scene. See, they weren't even being charged with trespassing or with stealing. No, this was all about breaking the Sabbath regulations. Now, I won't bore you with details on what the Sabbath rules are. Uh, you can Google that if you want, um, Sabbath regulations. Uh, here's a quick slide if you wanted to take a snapshot of it, feel free, of two articles I thought was, it was particularly interesting to uh, getting a little bit more background on the Sabbath and what happens there. Well, anyway, Jesus begins uh, to respond to their accusations with Scripture. And he's referring to uh, 1 Samuel 21.6, if you want to look into that uh, a bit later. Um, there, he says, So the priest gave to him the consecrated bread, since there is no bread there except the bread of the presence that had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by hot bread on the day that it was taken away. And so the big uh, issue there was that this is bread that's only supposed to be eaten by the priest. And David and his, his uh, companions, they weren't priests. And yet they were hungry, they were in need, and so the high priest that day gave them that bread to eat. And so what's interesting here is that Jesus completely nullifies, neutralizes the argument by using one of their own to deflate that argument. It was the high priest who gave to David and his men the showbread. Bread that was meant to be a reminder of God's presence and his provision. And yet when that immediate need was there, Abiathar responded accordingly. And so at that point, Jesus declares that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Pause for a moment and let that sink in. Jesus just declared that his authority was above all of the Pharisees. Not convinced? Let's read on. Chapter 3 begins to kind of seal that reality for, in many people's minds. Chapter 3 finds Jesus entering the synagogue, and there's a blind man, I'm oh, sorry, not the blind man, but there's a man with a withered hand, and then the Pharisees are there too. And now they're probably filled with equal parts of shock at, at just what had happened, and maybe some anger at being shut down so definitively. And so they're watching Jesus. They want to see what he's going to do. Is he going to heal on the Sabbath. So Jesus calls the man over. And then he addresses everyone. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or to kill? And what happens next? Silence. It's that pin drop kind of silence. In that moment, Jesus is grieved at their hardness of heart because the Pharisees wouldn't allow themselves to see things any other way. And so Jesus heals the man's hand. Stretch out your hand. And as he do does so, his hand is restored. So what just happened here? In case anyone had any, any doubts that Jesus was indeed Lord of the Sabbath, he demonstrated his power. If Jesus was wrong about this, if he was going against God's laws, then nothing would have happened. Jesus does only what the Father does. 
there's incredible consistency in, in the Trinity. There's so much incredible consistency in the Trinity. And by healing the man's hand, his withered hand, on the Sabbath, he's demonstrating his power over disease. And his authority is greater than the Sabbath police authority. In doing so, Jesus is showing us what it means that the Sabbath is meant to serve man and not subjugate man. Under, the other way around, not to subjugate man and put man under the Sabbath. So going back to that question, is it so simple? Yes, in a theological and intellectual perspective, it is that simple. It's pretty straightforward. But as we know, many things are easier said than done. And so your intuition is correct. It, it is simple, but it's not so simple. Because if all it took was just an aligning of our thoughts correctly, and then to speak about it, if that's all it took, well, frankly, then we wouldn't need a savior. That's all it took. Because it would then be redundant to have a savior die on the cross for us. It would then be unnecessary if it was just a mental shift. Now, what is more reflective in our experience is that we often try as we hard as we can. We often, when we know what is the right thing, the right thing to think or the right thing to do, to act, to behave. Now, maybe for some things, we are successful when we um, force our will upon it. Sometimes we can take advantage of what they say is a habit-forming time period of at least 40 days towards it. And we can build up a habit so we can take advantage of that reflex behavior. And with our will and determination, sometimes we can get the results that we want. But there are many other times where all that gets us is disappointment and frustration and failure. But it's, it's not even for the lack of trying because we try. But our trying isn't enough. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that knowing the truth is unimportant. It's, it's foundational. But what we need is something more than head knowledge. What we need goes beyond hearing the truth. What we need is the Spirit of God moving in our hearts, transforming us. And so where it's not so simple is when we get in the way and refuse to submit to God, to listen to God. The Lord's invitation is, is disarmingly simple. Are you weary? Exhausted? completely overwhelmed because your best efforts fall short. If that's you, then the Father is beckoning you to find rest under his wings, to take up his yoke and learn from Jesus how to really live. Friends, I want to suggest something to you, that rest is a spiritual issue. Our attitudes towards rest, towards the Sabbath, comes down to a spiritual matter. Who is the Lord? Jesus or you? What makes the, de the determination of what's best for you? Your boss? Your children? Your spouse? Your schedule? 
or Jesus? Our collective silence is, is witness enough of what the Spirit is saying to us. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath because his authority supersedes even that of the Levitical law, even that of the pressures of modern life, of the demands of a grueling school schedule. Now, this is not a guilt trip. I'm not saying these things to make you feel bad. Instead, this is about freeing you to realize that you have agency in the matter. You do have a choice about it, and that's why this is a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual matter. Rest is a spiritual issue because it reveals where our loyalty is. Where is our allegiance, our obedience, our trust, our security, our hope? Where do those things reside? Is it enough that God commands you to rest? It's a spiritual matter. So we said loosely, directly translated rest, Sabbath can equal rest. But then you may be thinking, what is Sabbath? As I mentioned before in my preparation, uh, I researched a few Sabbath regulations, and as I was looking into the customs, one, one thing really jumped out at me. In the Reformed tradition, uh, Jewish tradition, uh, they typically occur between sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. And what I found really fascinating was that it is imbued with tradition and specialness. The Jews would prepare themselves for uh, Sabbath by uh, the particular clothes they wear, the meals that they ate, the lighting of the Sabbath candles, um, all to set apart this special time. Now, I'm sharing that with you not to advocate that you should follow suit, but it may be helpful for you to consider their attitude of preparation. Sabbath doesn't just happen. Rest doesn't just happen. You need to make preparations. Maybe block off your calendar. Give yourself some transition time. Quiet yourself down before the Lord. The clothes, the, the foods, and the candles, they were triggers designed to let their minds and their hearts know that now they are entering Sabbath. And there were things to help them to do that. And so maybe there's things in your life that you can add and build in to do that, to remind yourself, to remind your mind and your heart that now is the time that I'm resting before the Lord. So why rest? Well, the most direct answer to that question is because God told them to. God told us so. At this point, I was super tempted to start throwing lots and lots of information, data, at you. Because there's so, so many different sleep studies. There's diff there have been different studies on um, the need for downtime and how uh, even doing that, that's when creativity happens or uh, as you experience recreation. That actually helps you to be even more productive. Uh, there's so many of these things going on because people have been studying this and learning about it. What's useful and uh, that I want to bring out of that is that all of these studies, all of this, uh, if you want to say earthly wisdom, for our purposes, 
it just helps remind us that the commandment to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy just reveals God's wisdom has been there all this time. And the world is just sort of catching up slowly to this. So why rest? Because God told us so, but also because God designed us that way. And also because God loves us and he knows what we need. Now what exactly is rest? As many of you can attest, rest is not just inactivity. Now if you ever laid in bed tossing and turning uh, the whole night because something was on your mind, you know this to be true. Rest is, uh, rest at its core is, has that restorative component and, is, and in human history, when we were in a more physical or agrarian society, this was more straightforward. You rested from your work by stopping. But most of us today, our work is mental. We can always be at work, even when we're not at work. Whether it's constantly responding to emails or WhatsApp messages, we can always be reachable. And even if we are somehow able to successfully switch off our device and put them down, our brains may not be so obedient. Real rest is refreshing, restorative, and healing. And so it's not so surprising to find that if we want real rest, we must go to the Lord of the Sabbath. The question of why, don't, what is rest is, has to do with the, the spiritual issue that I mentioned before, the trust. Recently, I heard a, uh, another uh, pastor kind of give permission to the, uh, the congregation um, if they feel tired and they want to fall asleep, go right ahead. And this was his take on it. And I thought it was very, very interesting. He said that if you can fall asleep here, that's an indication that you feel comfortable, you feel at ease here, you feel safe here. <laughs> and then in my mind, I was thinking one step further because um, as, as I've been working more and more with uh, young people in, in training classes, uh, I, we never, I never want to be boring. Um, but then one, thing, one funny thing I realized is when you're bored, you actually can't fall asleep. <laughs> when you're bored, for some reason, your mind starts going on, what time is it, what can I do next, and you start dueling all these other things, but you don't really fall asleep when you're bored. And so I was thinking about that and thinking about this pastor who was giving permission to his congregation, if you feel tired, go right ahead and fall asleep. And I was putting those two things together. It really does have to do with uh, trust, security, and that's where you can find rest. So, as we think about what is rest, why rest, what is rest, we come to the question of why don't we rest? So, trust, security, and control. Those are the things I want to put in our minds. It's about who do we trust? Where is our security or hope? And it's about relinquishing our control. And we can come up with thousands of reasons why we don't rest. Uh, I'm sure you have your own particular reasons. I have mine. Um, It can come down to I just can't take anything off of my plate or my son and daughter's homework is just so much or the deadline at work is looming and and we've got to get it done. So it just requires us to do so. And of course, the most uh, overarching one, others are counting on me. It can go on and on and on. But then that question is, what 
do we trust? Where is our hope? Who is in control? We know the Sunday school answer, that it's Jesus. It's, it's, of course God is in control. But are we living in a way that reinforces that? Rest is the arena where that happens. If we do not allow ourselves to rest, not only are we being disobedient to God, but it's revealing our lack of trust, our lack of faith, our lack of hope, because we've misplaced it. We've been placing it in our own ability or our own talents or energy. And when the Lord tells us to rest, He's reminding us it's because He is trustworthy. He is good. He is faithful. He's in control. So how can we find rest in the Lord? In a way, the asking of this question, it's a little misleading, so I apologize for that. But we ask this question because we instinctively frame it as an action that we must do. How can we find rest? It's as if it's a grand quest, and we are all the heroes that are on this journey. Oh, my friends, we will find rest when we surrender to God. It's not a doing thing. We'll find rest when we come to Jesus with all that we have been carrying, all of the heartache, all of the hurts that we've experienced in life, with all the disappointments and frustrations, with all the fears and all the fears of the future, or maybe fear of lacking, all of our sickness and debilitations, all of our worries and concerns. When we bring all of that to Jesus, and we bring all of our doubts and uncertainties and all of our anger and all of our pain, and we come before God honestly with what really bothers us, Jesus says, I will give you rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Doesn't that just sound wonderful? Don't you want that kind of rested soul? What kind of a difference would that make in your marriage? if you had a rested soul, or your parenting, or at work with your coworkers or your boss. I know I want that. I, I often tell my wife that uh, my objective on weekends is to do nothing. <laughs> and most of the time, I say that half-jokingly, and she doesn't believe me. Um, I say that half-jokingly because uh, it's a play on the stereotype that um, men can do absolutely nothing and not have a thought in our minds, uh, as if, and we can just stare out into nothingness. And then when we started to have children, um, this became my white whale, the, the unreachable goal to do nothing. Because weekends, uh, they just seem to be even more busier than the weekdays. Uh, if it's not kids' birthday parties, there's other events and other activities uh, that goes on. So the idea of rest on the weekends seem completely circles that never meet each other. <laughs> there's, there's no overlap there. 
But as my theology of work and Sabbath became more and more robust, I realized something. My quest to do nothing was actually a yearning to find rest in the Lord. It was a desire to retreat from the go, go, go and the do, do, do of the world. Now, this is, it's not a condemnation of the world. We do need to be diligent and faithful to what the Lord puts into our hands. But the need, the desire to Sabbath rest, really was a yearning to commune with my Lord. And in fact, it's the most effective antidote to the crazy life. Let me leave you with a final verse and a reminder. It's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one may boast. We can find our rest in the Lord of the Sabbath because of God's grace. We can't earn it. We don't qualify for it. It doesn't matter how much we do or try to do. It's, it's, it's not by works. It is a gift from God. It's based on who God is, his holiness, his trustworthiness, his goodness. When we strive for true rest, when we strive for the Lord's rest, we are affirming who he is in our lives. And so if you've, if you've never embraced this gift from God, he's offering it to you this very moment. So don't pass up this opportunity. You don't need to say a special prayer. Though if you do want someone to pray with you, uh, I'd be happy to, as I'm sure Pastor Stan or others in the church would uh, be honored to do so. I'd like to close our time uh, with prayer and encourage you to take some time to respond as God has been speaking to you during our time together. As you pray, if there are things that you've been holding on to that need to be released, would you offer that up to God? You can pray as David prayed, that God would search our hearts and see if there is any wicked way in us. You can ask God to search if there are things that you're holding on to that need to be released, that need to be surrendered to God. All of the heartaches, the hurts we've experienced in life, all of the anger and disappointments and frustrations, our fears, fears of the future maybe, of lacking. Our God is a generous God. He desires to bless us so that we can bless others. Is it worry? Are the cares and concerns of the world strangling your faith? Are there doubts and uncertainties? Jesus invites us to cast our cares on him. He can take it. He's already paid the price for it on the cross of Calvary. In Jesus' name, be freed from these things. They no longer hold claim on you. And if there's sickness or healing you're praying for, 
bring it before the Lord. He has power to heal, even on the Sabbath. And it's not about the right words or prayer. There's no chants or incantations. It's about honesty before God. In Jesus' name, may you experience God's healing touch. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together and we thank you for this reminder of just how much you love us. You'd created and designed us in a way where we do need rest, not just physical rest, but our souls yearn for that peace and that rest that comes from you. Peace in our souls, knowing that you are in control and that our hope is found in Christ and that everything that we experience in life is within your sovereignty and not a surprise to you. And that you invite us to come before you, to cast all of our cares before you, to trust you, to know that our Father has us in the palm of our hands. Thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name.